0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. All right, let's just get this rolling. It's 8.09 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 27th of April, 2022, and this episode... 581 of Bitcoin and incoming 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 the WEF the WEF the World Economic Forum has thrown in with Greenpeace and those idiots over there at Ripple by the way all the people at Ripple are scammers they all belong in jail for selling unregistered securities And here we have the WEF, the World Economic Forum, releasing a very, very well-constructed and well-produced small video of about, I don't know, it's 100, no, 100, my ass, one minute and 30 seconds long. Now, generally speaking, I kind of don't trust the World Economic Foundation or forum to do pretty much anything but fuck the human species to death over and over and over again. But just so that I'm not accused of skipping over what could possibly be, could possibly be critical information about Bitcoin mining, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play this thing. And... I'm gonna read you the subtitles of what's going on because they don't have anybody speaking in it right It's just a bunch of pretty pictures and you know some some you know video that they've taken again, well produced and it's got a music track and all that kind of shit but nobody actually says anything. it's just words on a screen overlaid on top of all these beautimous pictures so let's give it a shake shall we first let's start with the actual tweet itself from the world economic forum at wef a change in the way bitcoin is coded could almost eliminate eliminate its environmental impact learn more and then they give you a little website but attached to that tweet is a video that starts with this experts Experts have found a way to cut Bitcoin's carbon footprint by 99.9%. Before I even hit the play button, that's what's on the screen. Experts have found a way. They found a way to cut Bitcoin's carbon footprint by 99.9%. Experts, I wonder who. I wonder what experts. But I'm going to go ahead and hit play and let's go through this stupid ass thing. Oh, by, <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm sorry. They say a change in the way Bitcoin is coded could virtually eliminate it. The world's most popular cryptocurrency uses more electricity than Denmark. Bitcoin alone could help push global warming above 2 degrees C if it becomes widely adopted. (gasps) Bitcoin's huge energy demands stem from the way its transactions are verified. False. Powerful computers solve complex math problems in a process called mining. False. The winner is rewarded with Bitcoin. Well, that is true. The price of Bitcoin has soared in recent years this has incentivized miners to buy more and more powerful computers Mm -hmm. that consume increasing amounts of energy to run and cool a new campaign change the code says this doesn't have to be the case experts and that instead of using computers to crunch numbers miners could stake their own bitcoin to verify transactions instead eliminating most of the network's energy demands at a stroke The campaigners say this could be achieved with a basic change in coding along with the buy-in of around 30 key figures in the Bitcoin universe. Rival cryptocurrency company Ethereum has pledged to switch to this approach, which it says is 2,000 times more energy efficient than mining. Mm -hmm. What do you think about cryptocurrencies? Mm -hmm. Like, comment, share. World Economic Forum. Yes, it's so nice. There's so much wrong with this thing. They it's like, well, it's not like they haven't done the least amount of research and they won't. Why? Because it's not in their best interest. There's probably a handful of people at the WEF that know very well what this shit means. It means their death. It means digging a six foot hole in the ground about six foot long and about three feet wide so that a body can be deposited and buried so that nobody ever finds it again. Which is exactly what Bitcoin aims to do, not just to the WEF, but to almost every synthetic system on the face of this planet that is well and truly fucked. So the problem here is is that they're going and throwing themselves in with the change the code movement and by the way it is not lost upon me and probably not you that we haven't haven't heard dick out of change the code as a hashtag as a tweet as anything on any social media or anything that anybody's even talked about for well over two weeks it had already died we must make sure that it dies again. Be aware that this shit is going on and then proceed to ignore the living shit out of it. Now, let's get into real people that need real money to live a real and quality life. Bitcoin magazine, Sean Amick is writing this one. Central African Republic launches legal framework for economic use of Bitcoin. Now, this story came out i read it last week but it wasn't this one the problem was is that the stories that were coming out last week said that they had already accepted bitcoin as legal tender and it appears that that may not be the case and i'm hoping that sean is going to set us straight here the central african republic has launched the creation of a legal framework that will allow the use of cryptocurrencies like bitcoin to be openly used within the economy according to a report from Bloomberg. <clears throat> Finance Minister Herve Ndoba reportedly stated lawmakers have adopted proposals, including the creation of a regulatory body to maintain oversight of cryptocurrencies. Ndoba continued to explain that the focus of the legislation is to integrate the use of cryptocurrencies in the economy during a phone interview from Washington, D.C. Quote, there's a common narrative that sub-Saharan African countries are often one step behind when it comes to adapting to new technologies. This time, we can actually say that our country is one step ahead," Naboba Ndoba N- said. Ndoba reportedly noted that the legislation being presented does not mirror the El Salvadoran proposals, which allow the nation-state to become the first to adopt the Bitcoin as legal tender. The report explains the Central African Republic holds gold and diamond reserves, yet remains one of the poorest countries in the world. The country's presidential elections of 2020 were preceded with years of violent conflict and political crises, leading to a severe economic impact that damaged relations with international partners, which ultimately caused delays in the reception of vital aid. As the legal framework for the economic use of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin develops, the Central African Republic will likely pursue internet infrastructure development as well because the internet penetration of the Central African Republic is reportedly around only 11.4% of the population. This statistic represents a little over half a million internet users and a total population of 4.87 million people. However, the mobile connections available at the time of reporting was over 30.7% of the population, though many people have more than one mobile connection, which tends to skew the statistics. So it's not necessarily legal tender yet, yet, but it's probably going to end up being legal tender soon, TM. Now, we have, in contrast, New York, New York State, in the United States of America. Jesse Coughlin laughs his ass off for Cointelegraph about New York State Assembly passing a ban on new BTC mines that don't use green power. Oh, it looks like they might've walked this back a little bit. <clears throat> the New York State Assembly passed a bill late on Tuesday that would place a two-year ban on all new proof-of-work cryptocurrency mining facilities in the state that uses a carbon-based fuel to power their operations. The bill, sponsored by Ann Kellis, would not only impose a two-year hold on approval of new Bitcoin mines, But the proposed moratorium would also prevent the renewal of permits issued to existing proof of work cryptocurrency miners using carbon sourced energy if they seek to increase the amount of electricity consumed. Have fun staying poor. The bill gathered the support it needed to pass with 95 in favor and 52 people against. And those are the people that actually have some semblance of keeping New York in the state of being a financial capital of the world. But, you know, whatever, they didn't win and will now be carried by Senator Kevin Parker for a vote in the state Senate, so it's not completely passed yet. If successful, it will then be delivered to Governor Kathy Hochul, who can veto the bill or sign it into law the Department of Environmental Conservation would be tasked by the bill with preparing a generic environmental impact statement to number, locate, and assess the energy consumption and greenhouse gas emissions of -of proof-of-work miners and their impact on public health. What, why, making people richer and being able to save their money so that they're not actually being I don't know, work to death in the mines for food that increasingly cost the same when they never get paid anymore? Is that the health you're talking about? Uh, okay, that's, that's rant territory right there, bro. Cryptocurrency industry advocacy group, the Blockchain Association, had previously called on pro-tech, pro-innovation, pro-crypto residents of New York to mount an opposition to the bill, which they claim resulted in thousands of messages to legislators. The association said that around three hours of debate took place over the bill demonstrating what they believe is a greater opposition to the mining ban than proponents believed. In a tweet on Wednesday, the team said it will direct its energy to the New York Senate to defeat what it calls the anti-technology bill. Oh, see, marketing, even on our side, we do marketing. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, that's marketing. That's wrapping a story inside of a three-word phrase, anti-technology bill. Well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Fuck it. Proposed bans on proof-of-work cryptocurrencies on environmental grounds are becoming more common. A similar proposal called the Markets in Crypto Assets, or MICA bill, was narrowly defeated in the European Parliament in late March with legislators there even considering a ban on Bitcoin trading to enforce the proposed ban on mining. So as New York decides that it wants to be a third world country, we're gonna move right on over into Fort Worth, Texas. That's right, hot off the heels of the Beef Initiative, we move to Cowtown. And if you didn't realize that Fort Worth, its history is that of a major cattle yard that contained the cows that were coming out of Colorado over to the railroad to be taken to the Chicago slaughterhouses. And Fort Worth was pretty much a destination where all the cattle that came up from the south of Texas went If it came from Colorado and New Mexico, they went over I mean, so you end up with these huge stockyards, not feedlots, okay? They just needed a place to put the cattle so that they could drive them into the cattle cars on the train, and that train would go from Dallas-Fort Worth up into Chicago, and that's where apparently, from what I understand about this, where a major set of slaughterhouses existed in the very early 1900s and late 1800s. But be that as it may, it became known as Cowtown because that's where all the cows went. Millions of cows, millions of beating hearts were driven to Fort Worth. And now they're going to start mining Bitcoin. Why? Because they're not fucking stupid. Bitcoin magazine, Sean Amick has it. Fort Worth, Texas becomes the first city government in the United States to mine Bitcoin. Fort Worth, Texas has officially become the first city government in the U.S. to mine Bitcoin today. Three, only three, I get it, but still, they're doing it. Three S9 Bitcoin mining rigs will be deployed to run 24-7 in a closed environment on a private network operated by the Information Technology Solutions Department data center, located at fort worth city hall so these sons of bitches are actually inside city hall of fort worth that's really interesting the s9 miners were donated by the bitcoin and blockchain advocacy group texas blockchain council the donation has formerly been accepted today quote with blockchain technology and cryptocurrency revolutionizing the financial landscape we want to transform fort worth into a tech friendly city the mayor of fort worth Maddie Parker said, quote, today with the support and partnership of the Texas Blockchain Council, we're stepping into that world on a small scale while sending a big message. Fort Worth is where the future begins, Parker continued. The program starts with only the three machines so the city of Fort Worth can monitor performance, energy requirements, and familiarize itself with the process of Bitcoin mining over a six-month period. Fort Worth estimates that the individual energy required to mine Bitcoin from each of the mining rigs will be equal to that of a household vacuum cleaner, according to the release. This nominal energy usage is expected to be offset by the profits obtained from Bitcoin mining. Oh, a small aside here, we really need to go after big vacuum cleaner. I mean, that industry is just flat out cleaning. Our carpets when it comes to energy usage. Probably uses more than Denmark, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not one of those guys. Fort Worth is positioning itself to operate from within the Bitcoin mining industry as a participant in order to learn the needs of the industry. Quote, Texas is increasingly being recognized as the global leader in Bitcoin and blockchain and Fort Worth will, will have a seat at that table. The pioneering spirit is alive and well in Fort Worth and with this program we will attract dynamic companies that share in this vision of the future said robert stearns fort worth director of economic development lee bratcher president and co-founder of the texas blockchain council praised the city for its decision to mine Bitcoin and gave a favorable outlook to the future of Fort Worth. Well, of course he did. Quote, by starting small and learn as they go, Fort Worth is positioning itself to be the Bitcoin mining capital of Texas. Oh, come on, guys. The state as a whole has already established itself as the Bitcoin mining capital of the world, said Bratcher. Bratcher also noted the support and advice from Luxor Technologies and Rhodium Enterprises, who provided strategic guidance that brought this project to fruit. Alex Brammer, vice president of business development at Luxor, discussed Luxor's excitement to be part of Fort Worth's initial step into Bitcoin mining. Quote, Luxor is providing pool services and technical consultation to the Fort Worth team, and we've been impressed with their thoroughness and the speed with which they have been able to get their initial mining operation up and running, said Brammer. Brammer continued to praise the nimbleness of the city and its ability to quickly incorporate the processes needed to operate a mining facility. Brammer closed his thoughts with a colorful caricature of the mayor and her team, saying they, quote, have certainly been helping to redefine moving at the speed of government, (laughs) further solidifying Fort Worth as one of the most innovative cities in the country. So, Fort Worth is an interesting town. People always say Dallas-Fort Worth, but when they actually go to Dallas-Fort Worth, they generally speaking, end up in Dallas. They go to downtown Dallas. You know, they stay in hotels in Dallas. You're missing out. If you want to go to Dallas-Fort Worth, might I suggest that you stay in Fort Worth? not Dallas. Why? It's not because of Bitcoin mining. It's because Fort Worth is actually a lot more fun than Dallas is. And if you just have to go to the Dallas Zoo, which is kind of awesome, I'm not a big fan of zoos, but if I have to go to a zoo, the Dallas Zoo is pretty cool. Or the Perot Museum is fucking awesome, especially for kids because it's all about cool science and stuff. And it's really neat. The Dallas Museum of Art is not to be missed, but the problem with Dallas is, is that it's Dallas <laughs> and it's not that I hate Dallas. It's just that all the times that I've ever been to Fort Worth, I've had a lot more actual fun. There's really good restaurants. There's really cool bars going down to Cowtown and in, in uh, Fort Worth is, is a neat experience and people miss out on it because they think that Dallas is the place to go. And that's because it's got a lot of the museums and stuff, but don't miss out on Fort Worth. Just saying. Now, CleanSpark. CleanSpark borrows against Bitcoin mining rigs to get $35 million for more mining rigs. Stacy Elliott, Decrypt.co. The three-year financing agreement has been secured by 3,336 new S19J Pro mining rigs According to a Securities and Exchange Commission filing submitted on Friday, the company has 23,000 Bitcoin miners in operation and expects to add 12,000 before the end of October. Is that right? Yeah, October. The Las Vegas-based Bitcoin miner, which trades on NASDAQ under CLSK, immediately receives $20 million and has until the end of the year to draw down on the remaining $15 million in increments of $500,000. Quote, as we mentioned in our... Quarter one, earnings call, debt capital is currently the lowest cost of capital available to the company, CFO Gary Vicherali said in a statement. Yeah, debt capital, by the way, is currently the lowest cost of capital available to every company right now. Why? Well, the broken system that is the thing that Bitcoin can fix is the reason for that. We won't get into it. CleanSpark isn't alone in using crypto assets. In this case, mining hardware to secure loans rather than relinquishing shares in the company. In March, MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor used the company's Bitcoin to secure a loan to buy more Bitcoin. News of CleanSpark's financing comes just a month after the company announced it would add 500 megawatts of mining power to its facility in Fort Stockton, Texas. Fort Stockton. Fort Stockton. You should check out Fort Stockton. It will be a gradual process, the company said last month, as it expects to have added 50 megawatts by the end of the year and another 150 megawatts by this time next year. The company's shares closed at $7.04 on Tuesday, which is down 11% on the day, while the NASDAQ composite finished down 4%. It's been a rough start of the year for the publicly traded Bitcoin miner. Shares have fallen 26% since the the start of January. It's not alone. Even with the NASDAQ composite losing 21% so far in 2022, most publicly traded Bitcoin miners have fared far worse. Riot Blockchain is down 51%. Bitfarms has lost 45% and Hive Blockchain has tumbled 45%. So what should we think about those numbers, by the way, guys? You think that's, you know i don't know you think that's terrible and bad and awful well i'm just here to tell you i get the feeling that the guys behind those companies may have suspected that that was going to happen why because they've been in this business for quite a while and even before they were in mining business they've probably been in bitcoin for quite a while and if you've been around this space i don't know longer than let's say longer than a half a year then you've already seen multiple 50% drawdowns. If these guys did not take that intelligence with them into how they're going to structure these mining companies, then they are fools and they will lose those companies. However, I don't think that that's the case. I think most people by this time, by the time they got into mining, that they were going, hey guys, if we go public, what happens... When Bitcoin takes a fucking nosedive and so does our stock. Okay, let's figure out a plan to guard against that. I'm not saying that I was in on those discussions. I wasn't. I'm just saying that I doubt very, very seriously that these guys did all this without trying to figure out how to guard against these kinds of nosedives in their stock price, which were going to be inevitable and will always be inevitable because they're going to always be intrinsically linked to the price of Bitcoin for as long as the human species refuses to stop valuing Bitcoin in fiat. I really, really wish we'd value it in something like acres of arable land. I'm just saying. Just to make sure that you realize that, no, you are not too late to buy Bitcoin. We have this one out of bitcoinnews.com. I bought my first Bitcoin at age 67. Nice. Stephen Ivan writing it up. So many things have been written on Bitcoin by many eloquent writers, PhDs, other supporters, economic forecasters, critics, and people who have so much more knowledge in this field than I can attest to or hope to have. So what can I say that hasn't already been said or printed? Furthermore, why should I even think that I could or should add my Satoshis or two Satoshis to the seemingly unlimited litany of articles already published? I do not have a very simple answer to this question, but here is my story. I found Bitcoin in June of 2017 at the ripe age of 67 years young. Or should I say that Bitcoin found me? My background does not provide any hints or clues no financial background per se, that would one day lead me to the door of the world of Bitcoin, or as oft referred to, down the rabbit hole. So what happened? I was at or near retirement age with very little savings and investments, I had for most of my adult life lived in foreign countries as an educator and worked in humanitarian, social community-based volunteer projects where the emphasis was very much on service and volunteering and not so much on earning and investing. All well and good when you're just out of university or just starting out on life's journey, but not very lucrative as a full-time or lifelong profession. Except, of course, for the years of experience, which in my book was well worth it. One thing, however, that I did not have was any debt. So that was a net positive. But there I was at a time in my life when I began to think about financial options and futures. Rather drab, if I can be totally honest, I choose not to ramble on about my situation, but want to focus on my journey to the world of Bitcoin. By 2017, I believe the Bitcoin price was about $3,000 per coin, a rather hefty amount for my personal situation. So I bought a portion of a Bitcoin. As my very first purchase, I understood very little about the history and the hype around Bitcoin, but I was intrigued. My teenage and young adult years were spent in what many would call the Woodstock generation. And as a side note, I did attend that cosmic event on Max Yasger's farm in Bethel, New York in 1969. Those were turbulent years and times of social change and a lot of social unrest as well. Well Well-documented elsewhere. I did not get much of a financial education through those years, but did get a proper education upfront and personal on the evils of war, the power balances, or rather the imbalances of big banks and their double standards that seem to pervade all aspects of society and the seemingly important power of the masses, young and old, to change things for the better. I am by my very nature a proponent of peace, and I 100% abhor war in all its forms. So when I came upon a few YouTube podcasts in 2017 about a new form of sound money on an open ledger that is governed by a mathematical immutable algorithm that is not controlled by anyone, let alone the banking system of our present economic systems, this internet money called Bitcoin intrigued me. I was intrigued that it was outside the control of the big banks. I was intrigued by its creation by a person or persons that was and still is anonymous, the infamous Satoshi Nakamoto. I was intrigued by the fact that I could own my own money and send my own money to anyone I desire to at any time and completely by an autonomous decision made by me and me alone. So many intriguing aspects of this Bitcoin. Five years on, And I continue still to be intrigued and my journey to financial freedom goes on. So I made my very first purchase, my first step down the rabbit hole, and of course, immediately began to learn more, research more, study more, and continue my path down that rabbit hole, a rather interesting attribute of Bitcoin and what Bitcoin does to so many. I became more and more convinced that this amazing invention of internet money that is called Bitcoin would soon change the course of the financial world and maybe change more than that. Perhaps it might even usher in an era of individual freedoms and individual sovereignty that I had been looking for my entire life. Since that eventful day in June of 2017, I have never regretted my purchase, my initial investment of Bitcoin. I have continued to buy more over these five years as per my personal financial situation would allow with small and regular purchases known as dollar cost averaging. And... To be candid and honest, Bitcoin has helped me achieve a level of financial freedom I could not have imagined back in 2017. And even more than that has given me a plan B to work towards having the status of individual sovereignty. It is my humble opinion now at the age of 71 that if you do not own any Bitcoin yet, that now is the time to start your own journey. It has been said that the best time to buy Bitcoin was 13 years ago the second best time to buy Bitcoin is right now. I do not think you'll regret it. Nice. Let's run numbers of our own. Weirdness in the markets today. Looks like like indices are bouncing back after today or yesterday's bloodbath that there was. So it appears that people are buying the dip and clearly selling off flammable liquids. I guess they don't like them in their garage. West Texas Intermediate is down a full 1.67% to right at a hundred bucks a barrel. Brent North Sea likewise down a point and a half to $103.47. Natural gas, however, is 1.53% to the upside, damn near close to 7 bucks per 1,000 cubic feet, uh, $6.95 to be exact. Gasoline down a third of a point to $3.32 a gallon. Gold down 0.67% to just under, no, not just under, $1,900, $1,891. Silver up a half point, $23.65 an ounce. Platinum is up half a point. Copper is down a fifth of a point. Palladium is up damn near two points. Agricultural futures are mixed, and I mean solidly mixed. The biggest loser of the day is wheat down one and a third. The biggest winner is cotton. I told you it's up 3.02%. Now, I'm going to pause here to talk a little bit about cotton. What was I saying on the show yesterday? When I was talking about driving my happy ass through cotton country, About half of the way from here to Kerrville, Texas, is cotton country. And I saw field after field after field after field that is not going to be planted. Probably because diesel prices are too high and fertilizer prices are freaking through the roof. And nobody really expected the fertilizer prices to go through the roof because nobody really expected Russia to invade Ukraine. And, and all the crying that went along with it, right? So what did I say? I said, watch cotton. Why? Because if they're not going to produce a, as much cotton this year, which it looks to me like they ain't, then going long cotton, probably not the worst idea in the world. Now, disclaimer, I'm not long cotton. I don't have a contract on cotton. Why? I don't know how. i I'm, I literally so fucking ignorant as to how to do any of this shit, which is probably why I'm not either not in jail or not living under a bridge because I'm just, I mean, I, this is probably going to be the call of my life. Uh, uh, cotton is, yeah. I mean, cotton's like, it's, it's, it's going to go. I really do. I think it's going to go. In fact, it may be worth my while to take a nice little trip all the way down from Amarillo through cotton country all the way down to Lubbock and actually cotton country extends past Lubbock to just north of La Texas. And that it pretty much ends right there. And then you get into rangeland ranch land and the Permian basin oil patch, right? So <clears throat> from La Mesa in the south to Amarillo and north of that, you get pretty much nothing but cotton country and it extends all the way over to north of, um, not plain view. What am I talking about? Uh, Abilene, Texas. And that's pretty much kind of where it stops. And I saw field after field after field after field with no new plants coming up and stubble still in the fields. All right, That tells me that they're not going to plant. And that means they're not going to produce as much cotton this year as they did last year. And this region is a heavy, heavy component to worldwide cotton production. And if they're not planting, What's that gonna do to the price of cotton? I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, watch cotton now. Moving on. Uh, Dow is up 0.38 percent. S&P up a half a point. Nasdaq shaving its loss today by 0.87 uh, percent to the upside. S&P Mini is up a scant one fifth of a point. But real money. Kind of no, okay. Well, it's kind of bouncing back $38,881.55 with 3.79 million BTC being sent in the past 24 hours. That's 158,000 BTC changing hands every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 13 and a half BTC and upticking in the median transaction value to 0.015 BTC. Or about 586 bucks. And block times are still nailed down at nine minutes, zero seconds. 0.075 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 12 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a loss of 6.71% in hash rate, we are at 209 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator has gone right back to 14 United States pennies. And that would be Dogecoin four thousand to four hundred transactions waiting on two blocks to clear uh 746.7 billion dollars of market cap is still just a hair under six percent of gold's total market cap and with your one bitcoin you may purchase if you so choose 20.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks there are nineteen million twenty-three thousand six hundred twenty-three and a half and a half btc in circulation at the present time and 3,654 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $143.6 million being run over 16,789 nodes sporting 82,107 payment channels that we can see and 72.7% of all that being run over TORS associated 11,638 Bitcoin nodes that we know about and that's going to do it for Vital. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Buenos Aires, Mayor, touts plan that permits tax payments in Bitcoin. It always starts with tax payments in Bitcoin. Before we do this, word to the wise, do not give your government your Bitcoin. Don't. Use their shitty fiat currency to pay them until that fiat currency dies the death that it deserves. Do not hand over your Bitcoin to any government, anywhere, in any nation, city, county, whatever, for any reason at all. Never do it. Use their own shitty fiat to shove down their throats and watch them choke as that balloon bubbles inside their esophagus and explodes like the alien in the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Jose Antonio Lanz is writing this one for Decrypt.co. Buenos Aires Mayor Horacio rodriguez Larreta today gave a virtual presentation touting ways to optimize city government, one of which is allowing residents to pay taxes in cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. The plan has 12 main goals, another of which is using blockchain technology for protecting personal data. (laughs) Jesus, these people are stupid. Dubbed Buenos Aires Plus, God, I hope it doesn't go the way of CNN Plus, the overall vision focuses heavily on improving public services through technological reforms. Quote, we have the clear conviction that citizens must own their information, their documents, because we trust in their capacity and they have the responsibility to do so. Rodriguez Loretta said during his presentation, all this data flow which is going to increase exponentially is going to be protected by blockchain technology. The second transformation. Stop it. Just stop it. Rodriguez Loretta said that so far, the city has digitized almost 900 different procedures, whatever the hell that means. To keep pace, taking advantage of decentralized digital technologies will be required. A draft of Rodriguez Loretta's plan initially was released on March the 10th, quote, People will have the possibility to digitally authenticate their identity through an application and will have access in a single place to their information, documentation, and personal records facilitating the management of their procedures, applications, and permits, he wrote on Twitter. Rodriguez Loretta said that leveraging blockchain technology will let users have control over their data. Blockchain-powered ID services have already been widely explored, among them initiatives by ConsenSys the World Economic Forum, R3 and IBM. Okay, let's just check this out. Initiatives by consensus, the people that represent fucking Ethereum, which had a 70 million coin pre-mine before they ever release those coins to the public that want to go proof of stake, which will basically put 70 million coin into the hands of the only people that will be able to control that entire financial chain. Second, the World Economic Forum. Need I say fucking more? R3, a completely failed system that has been an albatross around Bitcoin's neck for years that has done everything that they can to fuck Bitcoin. And IBM, the people that worked with Nazi Germany to identify and create identification numbers to be tattooed on Jews as they were sent to fucking camps to be gassed to death and then burned, but only after they worked themselves to starvation. Did I cover that clear enough? These are the people that we are fighting against every single day. And I don't have to pick up a rock, a Molotov cocktail, a firearm, nothing. All I have to do is not run their code that's all i have to do to avoid the risks associated with volatility of cryptocurrencies the municipality does not plan to hold any tokens as part of the public treasury, of course. The plan is to partner with various wallets and payment processors to convert cryptocurrency payments into our shitty fiat money, in this case, the shitty ass Argentine peso, immediately after they're made. Have fun staying poor because you are not gonna make it, motherfucker. Now, let's move on because I can't stand this shit any longer. Coinmay has launched 23 Bitcoin-enabled kiosks in Vermont. Okay, Sean Amick, BitcoinMagazine.com. Coinmay, or CoinMe, however you want to pronounce it, a cryptocurrency cash exchange in the United States has officially launched 23 Bitcoin-enabled CoinStar kiosks in Vermont per a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, freedom and unity is the official motto of Vermont and a perfect embodiment of why Bitcoin was established, said Neil Bergquist, CEO of Coin.me. Cash access to cryptocurrencies offers an opportunity for financial freedom to those that would not otherwise have it trusted and easy to use on ramps like the ones Coin.me provides are critical for the widespread adoption of digital currencies, Bergquist continued. Coin.me's expansion into Vermont brings the Coin.me-enabled Coinstar kiosk to 49 states with over 9,500 locations in the United States. Coin.me's network allows users across the nation to trade cash for Bitcoin in a simple and friendly way. Coin.me was the first to launch a state-licensed Bitcoin ATM in the United States in 2014. Now, CoinMe also enables legacy financial institutions the ability to offer the sale of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. CoinMe's seasoned experience allows the financial institutions they help to operate in a regulatory compliant and low cost manner. Quote, With CoinMe, we are providing a vital bridge for people to participate in the digital economy, said Jim Gaherty, CEO of Coinstar. We're excited to continue our partnership and build upon our existing footprint to Bitcoin enable even more CoinStar kiosks across the country, End quote. Buying Bitcoin at a CoinMe kiosk is a simple four-step process. First, create a CoinMe account. Second, find a nearby kiosk. Third, insert cash into kiosk. Lastly, receive your Bitcoin. The kiosk will be located at select Shaw's. Hannaford supermarkets and Tops Friendly Market grocery stores allowing Vermont residents quick access to Bitcoin through cash transactions. Okay, nice. But, you know, how many people are using them? The the CoinStar kiosks for buy, buying per, uh, uh buying Bitcoin with. I've seen zero metrics from any of these people that suggest how much Bitcoin is actually being bought. If you know different, if you've seen metrics, DM me on Twitter, Ghost of Nunya. Maybe one of these days I'll get B E N N D 7 7 back and I can go back to my original 6,500 followers. But as, an, oh, as of and until Elon Musk decides to be so gracious in his billionaireship to grant me my ability to speak with my old followers again, I'm kind of stuck with ghost of Nunya. And honestly, that's not so bad. I just miss, I miss the other people that I had that I cannot get back for some reason. I, I had that, you know, I had that account since like 2011 or something like that. It was an old, old, old account. And I really kind of miss it. But some people are able to get their old accounts back. I'm not sure how they're actually doing it though. Um, if if you guys know, I mean, do I need to reapply for, for a grievance uh, to Twitter to get them to unlock? Or is it something that's just automatically happening? Somebody give me the skinny. Again, that is at ghost of Nunya on Twitter. Let's move on. Bitcoin Core 23.0 has been released. Let's find out what's new from Namcios, writing for BitcoinMagazine.com. A new version of the original Bitcoin software client launched by Satoshi Nakamoto has been released today. Bitcoin Core 23.0 was worked on by 132 developers over about seven months to bring tangible improvements to Bitcoin Core's wallet, peer-to-peer communication, and network fee estimation and much, much more. So first, wallet updates, taproot support. Bitcoin Core now enables the user to choose the new taproot address type when creating a new wallet, even though that isn't the default as many wallets in the ecosystem cannot send to a taproot address just yet. The user is given the option to create taproot receiving addresses in newly created wallets. The taproot address created by the Bitcoin Core wallet for receiving Bitcoin is a simple single signature one. Therefore, users won't automatically save BTC in fees compared to regular BEC32 single signature addresses as bigger savings come from parting more complex sending conditions and address setups into the Taproot scheme. Yeah, that's why Taproot is here. It's not just a new address type, it's completely different, but whatever. By adding native support for Taproot addresses, Bitcoin Core takes a step in the direction of encouraging a wider adoption of Taproot. As more users opt into the new upgrades features, its benefits are able to best permeate through the user base. Bitcoin Core wallets now default to using descriptors when created, a significant change that promises a better backup and recovery process for Bitcoin funds. Since the advent of hierarchical deterministic wallets, or HD wallets, A Bitcoin wallet will typically use the recovery seeds, between 12 and, or rather 12 words or 24 words, to generate a master private key. The wallet then uses that master private key to generate a master public key, which can be leveraged to generate a nearly infinite number of receiving addresses through derivation paths that, as the name says, guide the wallet to what path it should follow to correctly derive an address. Recovering funds. In a Bitcoin wallet, therefore, commonly depends on that derivation path as most applications today default to HD wallets. The usage of different derivation paths by wallets is the reason why it is common to see a user attempting to recover funds in a second wallet finding a balance of zero, which is scary as shit, right? However, descriptor wallets make it much easier for the user to recover any funds by explicitly stating the derivation path in the descriptor. The user is thereby relieved from having to care about the derivation path their wallet used, a big improvement in user experience. BEC32 addresses, the format in which the address begins with BC1, have an interesting property that enables the spotting of possible typos. However, it wasn't until Bitcoin Core 23.0 that the user could, you know, actually benefit from that. Bitcoin Core will now alert the user about up to two errors in the BEC32 address. The tool is currently only available on command line through the validate address RPC, though there are plans to integrate it into the graphical user interface in the future. If more than two errors are made by the user when typing out the address, then the typo finding tool cannot guarantee success. The limit of errors the tool commits to finding is important because attempting to find a large number of typos could lead to undesired behavior. If the user typed an address with several mistaken letters, even if the tool could spot all of them, it could end up suggesting a totally different address than what the user intended to send to in the first place, which is a much worse outcome. A Bitcoin Core user has had the option to choose what coins or unspent transaction outputs, also known as UTXOs, to use in a transaction for years now. But this coin control feature required manual selection of what UTXOs to use every time, a cumbersome and tiring process that is highly prone to error. Now, Bitcoin Core allows the users to indefinitely freeze a UTXO. The freezing process is still a manual one, but the user only needs to do that once and can then rest assured that the coin they froze won't be automatically spent by Bitcoin Core until the user unfreezes that coin. Carefully selecting which UTXOs to use and funding a transaction is important to prevent undesirably linking addresses that have conflicting purposes. For example, a user might not want to join UTXOs they obtained through a Know Your Customer method with non-KYC coins if they did. Any observer of the blockchain would be able to infer that that user whom they could know because of the KYC information provided, also owns the non-KYC addresses and its coins, hurting user privacy. Broadly speaking, computers need two vital pieces of information to communicate with each other on the internet, an IP address and a port number. While the IP addresses serve as an identifier for a computer in a network, helping determine its location, the port number helps inform what type of communication is being done on the internet at each communication protocol usually defaults to a specific port number. As a result, ports enable a computer to run multiple types of traffic at the same time while easily differentiating between them. For example, the web's HTTP protocol defaults to port 80 while it's more secure counterpart HTTPS usually runs on port 443 and email's SMTP protocol leverages port 25. With Bitcoin, it's no different. Historically, upon starting Bitcoin Core, computers defaults to running on port 8333 and looking for peers using the, that same port. While ports facilitate the communication between computers on the internet, it also makes it easier for internet service providers to monitor traffic as it's easy to assume what type of communication is being done. In an adversarial setup, an ISP could filter and block certain traffic based on the destination port. Despite not being the most effective censorship mechanism available to ISPs, it is the easiest, and an attacked protocol would need to change its default port of communication to bypass the censoring or throttling. By removing port 833333 preference, Bitcoin Core now mitigates the easiest path ISPs have for filtering or blocking Bitcoin traffic. Fuck yeah. Additionally, nodes not running on port 8333 now will have less friction getting inbound connections from other nodes as the network no longer prioritizes that port. Bitcoin Core 23 also Protects users from adversarial ISPs by adding support for CJDNS, a security-enhanced alternative to the standard internet protocol. CJDNS leverages public key cryptography to implement an encrypted version of IPv6, the most recent version of IP. By providing end-to-end encryption natively, CJDNS improves upon IPv6 and IPv4, the previous IP version that is still widely used, with increased security and privacy as it protects nodes that use it from traffic analysis and filtering. The addition brings new optionality for users interested in protecting their traffic from prying eyes or increasing the security of their Bitcoin setup. While Tor and i2p exist as alternatives to clearnet IP, CJDNS serves as a complementary option that can enhance robustness for the Bitcoin network and its nodes. Bitcoin Core's built-in fee estimation tool has gotten a bit more complete. According to a blog post by John Newberry on the subject, bitcoin core's fee estimation quote simply records and reports meaningful statistics about past events and uses the data to give the user a reasonable estimate of how much fee they need to attach in order to have their transactions included within n number of blocks within being the number of blocks the user is willing to wait to have their transactions confirmed the algorithm calculating such estimates used to take into account all transactions on the mempool, Bitcoin's waiting area for transactions that haven't yet been included in a block. However, since the introduction of replaced by fee transactions, which enable the user to effectively bump the fee of their transaction is pledging to miners in an attempt to get a faster connection, Bitcoin Core did not account for the new transaction type when estimating fees out of doubts whether the feature would be widely adopted by users and miners. Now, with Bitcoin Core 23.0, RBF transactions are taken into account on Bitcoin Core's fee estimations, providing a more accurate estimate for users leveraging the software for sending transactions. Bitcoin Core now includes experimental trace points in its release binaries for Linux with user space, statistically defining tracing, or USDT. USDT allows users to get detailed information from their node that can be used for review, debugging, and monitoring. The feature makes it possible to keep track of custom fine grained statistics and monitor otherwise hidden internal node events while having little to no performance impact when unused. One example where this is useful is to spot and likely prevent attacks. A security researcher could set up Multiple nodes and trace the messages received from peers to possibly identify attacks ahead of time. So there's a good old rundown of the new Bitcoin Core 23.0. And what's my favorite part? The port. Not forcing port 8333 for Bitcoin Core is fundamental in this era of chain analysis. What I didn't read in there is, is there any impact on chain analysis now because port 8333 is no longer there? If you have the answer to that, please let me know. Okay, please. Because that would be really, really cool to find out. Finally, failure to launch. Australia's first three crypto ETFs all miss launch day. Man, shit going on down under Cointelegraph, Jesse Coglin, The launch of Australia's first three Bitcoin and Ether exchange traded funds scheduled for Wednesday have been delayed as a result of further checks needing to be completed. The exchange listing the Bitcoin spot ETF from Cosmos Asset Management CBOE Australia released a statement late Tuesday stating that the standard checks prior to the commencement of trading are still being completed and a further update will be provided in the coming days. CBOE issued the same notice regarding two spot ETFs issued by 21 shares also scheduled for launch today, a Bitcoin ETF and a Shitcoin One ETF. It's unclear why the products are delayed with the Australian Financial Review reporting that a service provider downstream, an entity such as a prime broker or a major institution with The power to delay listings until it's ready to support the trade of the product could be to blame for this holdup. The underlying asset for the Cosmos ETF is a direct investment into the Canadian Purpose Bitcoin ETF, North America's first Bitcoin exchange-traded fund. The funds issued by 21 shares are backed by Bitcoin and Shitcoin One reserves held in cold storage by Coinbase. Tony Chappell, head of trading at Australian wealth management firm ZeroCap, told coin telegraph the delay was not a big deal referring to the cosmos bitcoin etf he added quote you would think an etf which invests in another etf would be easier to handle but the broker will just be ensuring that they have all their ducks lined up before they go live, end quote. C.C. Liu, managing partner of crypto asset investment and wealth management firm Apollo Capital, also said that it seemed like just a small bump in a long road for the funds, quote, while this isn't an ideal start for the ETFs, yeah, you can say that again, it will be looked at as only a minor speed bump in an otherwise successful result for the crypto industry in Australia, end quote. She added, quote, the traditional finance sector is trying to get its head around how to adapt their businesses to a new asset class. It's a journey both crypto and trade fi are on together, end quote. Cointelegraph contract contacted CBOE Australia, Cosmos and 21 shares for more information regarding the delays, but did not immediately hear back. Cosmos Asset Management's Cosmos Purpose Bitcoin ETF received approval from the Australian Securities Exchange on April the 19th to begin trading following a seven-day notice period and was expected to attract around $1 billion after its launch. The two ETFs issued by 21 shares received approval around the same time, aligning all three funds with the same launch date. 21 shares isn't a stranger to holdups with its crypto ETF products. Earlier in April, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission rejected its Bitcoin ETF, which was to list on the U.S. CBOE BZX exchange, saying the exchange didn't meet requirements for listing a financial product. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. You want it, I got it, dad says jokes. There once was a man that fell down a well. Turns out he couldn't see that well. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Download any Podcasting 2.0 app and it will have a wallet in it, a Lightning Wallet. And you can stream me satoshis when you search for the Bitcoin and a podcast in that app. And you have to search for it inside of a podcasting 2.0 app because podcasting 2.0 respects the RSS feed that people's original podcast service provider would like. You know, like mine is SoundCloud. That's just. it's not a Bitcoin or a a podcast service provider, it's just where my WAV or my MP3 or MP4 files and all that kind of stuff are kept so that when you get the uh, podcast streaming on any device, it comes from that RSS feed, but podcasting 2.0 is different. That RSS feed is given to the folks over at the podcast index and they rework that RSS feed to include my personal lightning address and then they publish that to the index so you won't find the ability to stream me satoshis while i stream you these dulcet tones unless you use podcasting 2.0 but once you do you don't have to do anything else you just load up your bitcoin lightning wallet with some satoshis and find my podcast and it's done you can just boost me or you can stream me satoshis Either way, but you don't have to do nothing other than make sure that you find Bitcoin and podcast on a podcasting 2.0 enabled app and you are off to the races. And if you don't want to do that, you can use shitty ass fiat currency. And that shitty ass fiat currency is immediately sent to strike where it is converted 100% into Bitcoin. So it's going to go to Bitcoin no matter what you do. Podcast, or uh, uh, sorry, <clears throat> patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast is the way that you can do that for uh, my Patreon. If you want to use shitty ass Fiat, which will automatically be converted at the end of every month to Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, everything else that's going on in the world. Uh, we've got a fight going on with the whole um, check template verify the CT op CTV. Uh, don't get terribly distracted by this, but that doesn't mean to not pay attention we should probably pay attention. Every time a consensus mechanism comes up that may change cons- or or add to, or change a consensus rule, it's, it's something of note. It is a historical marker that we are coming up on. I don't know exactly if I, I have got uh, the, the, Oh God, Bitcoin tech op letter, is that what it was? Oh my God, I can't believe, it. I'm I, I'm so embarrassed that I can't. Bitcoin op tech, I've got the newsletter. I was gonna read it today, but we are already at 63 minutes. So I'm gonna save it to tomorrow. And it has a fair amount of what's going on with this whole, what is op check template verify. And we've got discussions about activations on it. By the way, if you want to read it now and not wait till tomorrow, Bitcoin Optech Newsletter, it's number 197. 197 will get you to that. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.